Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Georgie. Welcome to Dead Dove, a fan fiction podcast. A fan fiction podcast or a podcast about fan fiction? Hmm. Why not both? Hi guys, just before we start today, I just want to say this episode contains some very explicit material. Listener discretion is advised. Maybe put your headphones on. There's just so much fucking. Yeah, there is. Okay, so what have I signed myself up for this week? I've been really, really looking forward to this week. So this week we're going to be discussing smut versus fluff. And we're going to expand and kind of extrapolate on that. We're not going to keep it just too smut and fluff, but we can talk about, you know, any kind of platonic or sexual content in fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And I've been really looking forward to this because I think you've got a lot of opinions on fan fiction that we might be able to course correct in this episode. So I put to you, Matha, you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's serious when you full name me. Yeah. What do you what do you know about this? What do you think about this? If I say to you, smut versus fluff, what are we thinking? So when this episode title appeared on our list of ones to do, my assumption, and we all know famously my assumptions are bob on uh, so far after three episodes, my assumption was that these were the opposing ends of the scale of how racy some material is. And I'm guessing... Fluff is at the less explicit end of the spectrum, whereas smut is... I don't know whether that's the far end, whether that's the uh, the diametric opposite of fluff, or whether it's just that's the starting point for when, um, when the gloves come off. So it's interesting to me. It seems that... Do you not believe the two can coexist? No, I, I believe they can coexist, but if you're asking me what I think smut versus fluff means, okay. then the idea is that they are opposite ends of a scale of filth. Okay. Mm. You're not entirely incorrect. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about that as your definition, I think smut's pretty obvious what you think it is. What do you think fluff is? I'd say fluff could probably cover platonic relationships, maybe even, you know, sexual relationships, but not described in explicit detail. Am I I, I close? Yeah, no, that's not a bad description, but Mm -hmm. fluff is fluffy. You know, it's soft, it's gentle, it's sweet, can be platonic, often romantic, Mm -hmm. but that's pretty good. Okay, some pretty good well, the, assumed knowledge there. If, if we're using smut versus fluff in the fan fiction scale, where would where would something just to give me some kind of yardstick, mm-hmm. some kind of sexy yardstick to to base my assumptions <laughs> sexy off? Sexy yardstick. Where does where's your Mills and Boone kind of corset ripping? Is that somewhere like in the middle or? Oh, um, so there's obviously one of the great things about fan fiction is that it caters to every and all taste Mm -hmm. and your classic kind of mills and boon is tame 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 Mm -hmm. compared to some of the stuff that you can find on the internet Mm, i don't doubt it oh no well well we'll get to it (laughs) a lot of it is we'll come on to this once we've kind of gone through some examples but it can get incredibly graphic and incredibly racy Mm -hmm. which is great because that's a lot of the time what people go there for Mm -hmm. they go there simply for a um quick fix shall we say Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we'll say it. You know what I mean? So what kind of you find in mainstream stuff, and I mean mainstream media, not other things, but like a mainstream romance book, mm-hmm. It it's interesting because like I say, it depends on what kind of tastes you're after. But yeah, there's some pretty intense stuff that would make Mills and Boone blush in a corner and clutch its pearls, I think. Mm, I can imagine. So before we get into it, mm-hmm. and before you hit me with no doubt, some empirical evidence... <laughs> 
I was challenged by you at the start of this podcast because mm-hmm. I said fan fiction it's all just ropey writing with people fucking right that's yeah. that's pretty that's much that's our pa- trailer <laughs> to paraphrase it that's kind of what I said now we're here in episode three and we've talked about the first two episodes well one was an intro of, of what is fan fiction and then we've done an episode on chips and an episode on smut versus fluff how is this going to change my opinion that it's all not just rampant filth if this is where we are after three episodes we haven't done anything really that's not related to romantic or sexual content well i'm I'm glad you said that so obviously yes a really large portion of fan fiction especially in the kind of public eye is just rampant sexual filth Mm -hmm. which is great which is fine Mm -hmm. a lot of that is incredibly well written Mm -hmm. and that's no kind of slight on the author the fact that they just write that kind of content Mm -hmm. and i assume in a world where the male view is so uh kind of like forcibly held it would be seen by many mainstream commentators upholding the uh, patriarchy as lesser writing you are coming in hot with the excellent takes i was already gonna say and now you're making me look reactive and like i didn't think of them myself but no you're completely you're completely right and it's one of the reasons i love fan fiction and the communities around it and the concepts so much because while so much of popular media upholds these patriarchal ideas and caters solely almost exclusively to the male gaze fan fiction offers an arena whereby you know women femme presenting assigned female at birth gender non-conforming people anyone who's kind of not or sometimes who is a straight man can express their sexual fantasies and desires in a way that caters specifically to those needs Mm -hmm. which i think is really really interesting because it takes away from the mainstream of kind of the accepted course of how these events go and i think we'll talk about this a lot when we come on to the tropes episode as well Mm -hmm. so i've been watching bridgerton a lot i love bridgerton Mm -hmm. i've seen bridgerton it's quite good it is quite good isn't it it's my hot take i love that but romance as a genre in fiction is consistently the best-selling, highest-grossing genre within fiction. Mm -hmm. And romance as a genre in fiction is also consistently looked down upon for being, as you say, not proper art, not proper literature. This isn't Jack Kerouac. This is someone getting boned. Mm -hmm. And it really, really bothers me because I think there is this tendency in a society like the one we live in today to dismiss the wants and needs of women as fantasy and as as a farce and as not serious Mm -hmm. and i think it's incredibly damning indictment of society and of media that the highest selling genre in fiction is romance Mm -hmm. because women just want to read about being treated right Mm -hmm. and being loved wholly and genuinely and unconditionally i think bridgerton plays really really well into that in a kind of mainstream media context in Mm -hmm. that it's kind of putting those desires front and center it's one of the reasons I like Twilight so much because it is like based entirely around the concept of a woman and her desires and her relationship and what she wants. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that in the kind of the context of fan fiction, and I know that you think it's um, or <laughs> that you've assumed it's just rampant, consistent filth. There's also a lot of fluffy stuff like, you know, domesticity, sweet relationships that doesn't dip into that. And then, of course, there's also a lot of stuff to do with just alternative universes, telling stories in different ways. It's nothing to do with relationships. It's Mm -hmm. just taking these characters and putting them in a new adventure. So when we say smut versus fluff, 
I suppose we could be accused of being clickbaity because we are going to talk about other kind of forms of fan fiction where you look at characters in a non-romantic setting. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a big debate. So, for example, if we look at the um, here come the stats. Here everyone. they come. The phones out. The percentage of Ao3 fan works right. Kind of hard to go smut versus fluff straight up. So what we'll do is we'll look at common tags. Mm-hmm. So number one's alternative universe. We'll come on to it, don't worry. And I have to say, that's the one I'm looking forward to the most because it's baffling to me and I want to I learn more. And it's one of my favourites. There we so go. It's gonna be it's so, a match made it's in heaven. It's going to be so good. <laughs> but numbers three and four, in terms of the most common tags, are number three is sexual content, which comes in at just under 10%. Mm-hmm. And number four is fluff, which comes in at about, ooh, I'm eyeballing the line on this graph, probably like 7%. Mm-hmm. So sexual content has fluff beaten out a little bit. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Jesus Christ. But yeah, so it's... I think it's very much kind of that perception of fan fiction as something that, you know, nerdy people go to be off to, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's fighting that. That's what we're here to do. Does that <laughs> yeah. make sense? Or do I say a load of words at you? No, that makes perfect sense. And I think that already after just three episodes of this and also doing a little bit of extra research myself in my own time, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I'm starting to, to shape more of a different idea of what fan fiction is. Mm-hmm. And I think once I start diving into actually exploring some fan fiction, I might have some of the other assumptions about its quality challenge, and I dare say I will. You will. And yeah, so that makes perfect sense. And the addition of graphs was was very handy. I love a graph, that's another thing. And I think it's also really important to know as well that when you're kind of challenging that really cisgendered, heterosexual, patriarchal concept of romance and relationships in the media, and I really wanted to mention this in our Ships episode, but I got too excited about like, Bakudeku and like Destiel which is terrible I'm a bad person yeah it's fine but I really wanted to bring it up fan fiction offers a space where a lot of shows that can for example be accused of queer baiting Supernatural Mm -hmm. I'm looking you dead in the eye with my hand around your throat it gives you the opportunity don't laugh not in a sexy way Um, maybe in a sexy way anyway no it gives you the opportunity to explore these relationships in a way that is not permitted in huge heavy inverted commas in the media because you're never going to get an extended scene of you know these two queer characters going at it in the same way that you would get that normalized and accepted in a heterosexual relationship which fucking sucks mm-hmm. it's shit and i hate that that's the case but i think that when you look at characters that are written a certain way as we discussed in the last episode right mm-hmm. and explore their relationship it kind of takes the training wheels off unless you go with it I think it's a really important outlet for that. It's also interesting that we talked in our very first episode about the term fan fiction being used to describe sci-fi because it's not real writing. Mm -hmm. And now that accusation has just been shifted to fan fiction. Sci-fi is considered now real writing, but now it's the fan fiction that's not the real writing. And it just seems like writers with power are just looking for someone to punch down towards. Exactly. Exactly. And isn't it weird that it's so often women? Yeah, when I say writers with power, that, you know, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's really easy for the concept of like erotic fiction as well in general. So like a Mills and Boone mm-hmm. is the first thing you came up with because it's the easy thing to poke fun at, like a Danielle Steele moment. Yeah, of like, and oh, to be clear, I wasn't poking fun no, at No, I know you were That's weren't. just a yardstick that I understand. Exactly. But I think it's really popular. You know, you get these depictions of ugh, sad women in there, you know, 40s staying home and reading fan fiction or like and i mean i think it's some of the most beautiful writing out there and i've read a lot of fan fiction and you know not fan fiction Mm -hmm. 
So those are the two genres. In my mind, they are, yeah. Fan fiction and not fan fiction. So on that note, I think I've spoken quite enough. Mm. I have prepared some examples for you. I cannot wait for this. I've genuinely been looking forward to this all day. (laughs) Looking forward to locking you in a room with a microphone and making you read out filth. I I didn't notice you locked the door, but now I have. Uh I'm very aware of it. So I printed you three examples off, okay? Mm-hmm. And I tried to keep it within fandoms that you know about, so you're not going to be completely blindsided by characters. Yep. I printed you printed. I I went. I had to print this off, and I've never felt as pervy as I did printing this <laughs> off. By the way, I hope you appreciate that. I printed you some kind of romantic-ish smut. Mm-hmm. That's not like super intense. Some slightly more intense smut. Yeah. And also just some domestic fluff. Okay. So you can get like a bit of a, like you said, like a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Too hot, cold, and just right. Okay? <laughs> just, we're going to Goldilocks this shit right now. Yes, we are. Yeah. So, But that's not who's to say where your Goldilocks spot is, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's, is that that's why what it's called G-spot, a G-spot? Sure for. <laughs> I really hope this booth is soundproof. Um, so where do you want to start? I think we need to start at the fluffiest end. Okay, I can yeah. do that. Let me arrange my papers. Mm. Cut this bit out. I'm back. This is fluff. So this is... I'll give you... Should I give credits before we read it or at the end? Ah, before, I reckon. Okay. So this is a little um, snippet from a fan fiction called Stealing Time on AO3 by Nephilim Switchlight. It's a Padme and Anakin domestic fluff. Okay? Okay. It's a little bit AUE, but it's really cute. It's really cute. I like it. It made me feel really happy because they're my comfort couple and it made me feel happy. So, How are they your comfort couple? Oh, because all of my comfort characters and comfort couples have never known one second of comfort in their lives. Mm. So, you know. Yeah. I love them so much. So here is your Padme Anakin fluff, Stealing Time by Nephilim Switchlight. Okay. You don't have to read the whole thing out, but if you want to, you can. Oh, I'm going to read the whole thing. Uh, imagine if the podcast was just me <laughs> reading it in silence. Yeah. <laughs> so 20 minutes of silence. Like, me going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, back rubs. He sat down. <laughs> Did you say it like that? Look, I'm trying to get him, like, hang on. So let me just figure out who it is saying, oh, okay, that's Padme saying this. Okay. okay. Oh, Back rubs. She sat down in his lap and wrapped her arms around his neck. Is that on the table for tonight, General Skywalker? You know, Senator Amidala? I believe it could be, he replied, placing his hand on the back of her neck and rubbing his thumb gently along the joint of her neck and shoulder. She sighed and leaned into the touch, eyes fluttering closed for a moment. When they opened, it was to look at him with a love-filled gaze. She leaned over and pressed a kiss to his cheek. I like the sound of that, Annie. Though food first, I'm so hungry I could eat a whole banther. He laughed and turned his head to give her a real, lingering kiss. When they separated, he gave her a besotted grin and asked, What's for dinner then? Oh, I don't know. It's your turn to cook dinner, I believe. He thought for a moment and then shrugged. Take out, is it then? She smiled and ran her fingers through his hair. Cooking is one of trophy husband's jobs, you know, she teased. Then you will have to send me to some classes, my lady, he replied, grinning widely. At least, if you don't want food poisoning. She gave another giggle and snuggled closer to him, her head curling into his shoulder. I'm glad you're home, Annie. Even if you can't cook, I am happy you're here. I'd be happy if you were always here. I've missed you. He leaned down and kissed the top of their head. Me too, Angel. I'd never leave if I could. I hope you know that. I do. He lived for these precious moments with Padme. It may have been said with a joking air, but he really would be happy to retire from the Order and just stay with her. To actually have a chance to be a real married couple. The war was just taking and taking and taking. He'd cling to the time he did have with her, though, as desperately as he could because he never knew when that would eventually be taken from him too. So what do you think for some domestic fluff? I mean, it's the idea of 
space takeout. It's cute, <laughs> it's, right? cute, it's cute. And, you know, you can picture it. And like you said, they are a couple who really, their relationship in the movies is just kind of not there. And making a relationship out of the spaces between is the kind of thing that I'm starting to learn that fan fiction is for. Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, you could charitably say that in Star Wars Episode 2, it's the most kind of flaccid, insipid, <laughs> sexless relationship, courtship you've ever seen. Mm. And there's not really anything to it, which makes, you know, the whole... I don't want to undersell it by calling it a heel turn. He turns into <laughs> Darth Vader. Um, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Which kind of undersells it for me anyway. I know a lot of people like Star Wars Episode 3. Those people are wrong. But that's hey, fine. No, 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 no I'm just saying it's a bait you. I'm just oh, saying it's a bait you. Okay. If you like it, that's fine. But like for me, you know, because there's nothing there, you know, I don't really care when he turns. Yeah. You know what I mean? He starts choking him as we're choking anyone. Don't, yeah. don't <laughs> insert yourself into this. I mean. <laughs> um, so to read this kind of like just snippet of mm-hmm. something pure and sweet actually has more emotional content and resonance than anything yeah. from Star Wars Episode 2 or 3. I mean, not Episode 1. He's a child in that, and that would be wrong. I I mean, I enjoyed it. And like I said, Star Wars has never been known for its romantic mm-hmm. content. Obviously, in The Empire Strikes Back, there's some lovely roguish uh, kind of 40s-style back and forth between <laughs> uh, Han and Leia, mm-hmm. which is, you know, there's chemistry there, and the actors um, do a, a great deal of the heavy lifting. But, you know, George Lucas didn't write that yeah i find it comforting that people can actually find something in that relationship to write about because on screen it just isn't there yeah but that has a warmth to it and a a closeness to it and a familiarity to it that is you know noticeably absent from the work from which it is derived that's Um, my book report but and for that you've nailed it because i think again as we said if you want to go and read more of it it's called stealing time by nephilim switchlight on ao3 but so hopefully even in that like one a4 printed out page it's starting to make more sense now Mm-hmm. Is it starting to make more sense why this happens? Exactly, does yeah, yeah. Of course, it does. Like, I don't want to like kind of like sell it too hard. But I feel like I may have been a bit harsh on fan fiction because it's I mean, really beautifully written. It's really sweet, isn't it? It's is very, very sweet. Like as you were reading it, and it's nothing to do with you, by the way. My heart was just so full because I love them so much. You can make that claim all you like, but I know it was in the reading. It was. Like, it was basically that Suffolk the, accent. It, yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Awful person. Um, but, yeah. Pad me. <laughs> sorry, I'm That's sorry. not even suffering. I don't know. I can do it in a Suffolk accent I don't if you want, want me that. to. I do the next one in a Suffolk <laughs> um, Yeah, the Suffolk accent is very, doesn't lend itself to eroticism. No, it, does it really not. doesn't at all. But yes, moving on through, the, we're going to, we're going to move through the gears now. We are. So this is some smut. <laughs> so this is some smut. <laughs> and this is kind of like, it's cute. Like it's nice. It's soft. So this is, Night and Day, mm-hmm. originally written by Nayagin, and it's been translated into English by ELG on AO3. Everything I get is from AO3. That's my where my go-to. I sense a theme emerging. Yes, exactly. So yeah, Night and Day by Nayagin, translated by ELG, and it is Aragorn and Legolas. Oh. Getting it on. Hello. Yes. So I, I have, give me my news report a moment here while I ruffle through the papers. So it's two A4 sides. You don't have to read all of it. I oh, I'll read all of it. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Night and Day by Nyagin, translated by ELG. Okay. And like, <clears throat> I just want to go on record to say, before we start this, 
I said to Matt, I said, I'm really going to be interested to see if this like does anything for you. Because I'm literally just making you read out porn, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be really interested to see if you're like, let's go. (laughs) I just, but not in like a weird way, but I'm just intrigued. In the interest of science, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you're my my experiment and I read your porn, you know what I mean? Like, it's... (laughs) You make it sound like eat your veggies, you know, <laughs> you go to bed without Save them. some room for your porn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Night and day. And also, obviously, these are all really beautifully written. So okay. I, picked, I picked some good stuff for you. I, well, I expect nothing less. Of I expect perfectly curated pornography from you. Well, thank you. Okay. Yes. Stop, don't do it like that. <laughs> please don't make any sound effects either. Yes. I don't want that. Look, shut up. Oh, I'm sorry. trying to read this pornography, please. <laughs> The door is locked, yes. I don't know if it is. Let me check. It's not locked, guys. I just locked the door, okay? Okay. I don't know if I feel more safe or less safe, but here we go. (laughs) Yes. Aragorn said it breathlessly, and Legolas knew it was in answer to no question he had asked. The man following his own thoughts, and his own thoughts clearly causing his heart to run faster than a mill race after a flood. Just as it caused his loins to harden to an eager jut against the slender hollow of Legolas's belly. The man kissed him again, passionate and tender at once, catching up a handful of pale hair and brushing the ends across his mouth before he swooped to claim Legolas's mouth once more, fierce and certain, then soft and sweet. So is a scurrying mouse taken by a screech owl, Legolas thought, so is a new leaf caressed by the dew. Their tongues flexed, eager and clumsy, and fingers that had never slipped on bow or sword groped and tugged at knotted laces that then they heedlessly ripped. They stumbled and cursed, yanked and pulled, and boots were thrown and clothing cast off in all directions. Aragorn was either the stronger or the more determined, for Legolas's clothes were shed first, while the ranger still clung to a white fall of undershirt from beneath which his ardor just... Ardor? Ardor. While the ranger still clung to a white fall of undershirt from beneath which his ardor jutted eagerly. The elf saw Aragorn look at him from nape to toes, a gaze so heated it passed across his bare skin like the flame of a torch. And then the man breathed something which Legolas could only presume was a strange mangling of elvish and dwarvish that made no sense in either tongue. Yet he thought he would take such incoherence as a compliment. Such vulnerability and such strength, muscle and sinew and bone and skin, he hungered to taste all of it. Legolas found himself seizing fistfuls of undershirt and hauling the man against the wall to be kissed with breathless passion, his skin prickling in ecstatic discomfort at the scrape of that furred lip and chin. Don't you ever shave, he demanded, as he reluctantly untwined his tongue from Aragorn's. He reached for the ranger's manhood, but Aragorn laced his fingers between the elf's and held him off, whispering in his ear, May I? Aragorn smiled, still holding Legolas's left hand and turning his head to trap the elf's mouth. He nuzzled at his ear gently. I didn't hear you. Though his back arched at the heated breath against his lobe, Legolas narrowed his eyes. I think you heard me well enough. He gasped and heard a soft whimpering noise start up that it took a moment for him to realise originated in his own marked throat. That was no sound for an immortal to make. Collecting himself and determined that the man should be the one to lose himself in pleasure whilst this elf should cling, however barely to his dignity, he reached for Aragorn's manhood. Deft fingers that in their time had plucked death from any orc from the strung sinew of a deer now stroked up the thick shaft. Enjoying the feel of its length and weight, Legolas cupped the velvet vulnerability of testicles in his hand, Aragorn's mouth at his throat the only thing preventing him from bending to tease and caress them with his tongue. Yet the man's teeth closing on his throat made him jolt and tremble in a way more befitting a maid than a warrior, and he strove hard to hang on to his control. 
This is an overflow from the heat of battle, he gasped, grasping Aragorn's shaft all the same, and stroking it between the funnel of his fingers and palm until it began to leak with passion. It is far more than that, the man growled into his neck. Do you not know how long I have looked on you with longing and with love? Your body is always restless for pleasure after too close a dance with death. Thoughts? Also, I should probably have warned you about how many different words there are for penis. Yeah, I kind of... There's so many different words. I forgot to warn you about column and manhood and shaft and stuff, so... Mm. I'll always think about 10 things I hate about you and the guidance counsellor trying to think of uh, synonyms for erect. So, my thoughts. Beautifully written. Isn't it? Beautifully written and, like, whilst Tolkien's prose would would never have featured such a scene... Mm -hmm. And this is written with a modern sensibility. You can still hear the echoes of Tolkien's words through there, can't you? Absolutely. So thematic. So much much fan fiction is so thematic to what it's based on. You know what I mean? And people do really carry, like, obviously you've got more laboured references that can Mm -hmm. crop up in some things. But the thread of, like, tone really carries through. I think you get it in that quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And... I think this is this is going to be the your big revelation moment of this podcast and probably for this like the whole run of these episodes mm-hmm. is that like what I'm starting to learn about fan fiction mm-hmm. is that it's about redressing two things. One is balance and the other is absence. Mm-hmm. Now Tolkien's books are a largely sexless affair. They are largely bereft of eroticism you know there's probably readings of tolkien um especially the relationship between sam and frodo that can be explored through a queer lens Mm -hmm. and i dare say they probably have Mm -hmm. but on the page it's not really there and then they make films of them and they cast very attractive people they really do in the roles they cast probably the softest man ever and I say that with the greatest of respect to Viggo Mortensen, oh. that like he is both very soft and very rugged at the he, same time. How he manages that tightrope act, I don't know. And that is the whole female gaze moment of it. You exactly. know what I mean? And, you know, you take him, you put him in a chamber with a rocking twink like Orlando Blue. Because, <laughs> I mean, when I read this, this isn't Tolkien fan fiction. And I'm, I'm going to... You, you see my, yeah. assu- my assumption is that this is not fan fiction based on Tolkien's writing. Yeah. It's fan fiction based on the characters from the movies rewritten through a Tolkien kind of, like, kind of a lens, basically. You read it, you see Viggo Mortensen and Orlando Bloom, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that's not weird because they are the, 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 pe- the faces that people associate with you know, those characters. Now, having said all that, and Tolkien's world being, you know, largely absence of eroticism, sex, lust, longing, mm. things like that. There's a lot of kind of like just looks and kind of just soft focus romanticism. He's not interested in pursuing those things. Mm-hmm. But what Tolkien did was make an amazing world uh, with amazing things in it and amazing possibilities. And I'm now not starting to see fan fiction as people wanting to take popular things from things they like and make them fuck. It's about addressing the absence of those things from the work themselves and about putting voices that aren't present in those works into them. But also, someone just wants to watch The Prince of Merkwood bone down. Speaking of which, let's move on to number three. <laughs> Grief. So this is called Fit the Crown to My Head by Volnerasti on Archive of Our Own, read by Matt Risby. So again, fit the crown. He's very excited. He's wiggling his hand at I me. Am, I am chomping at the bit for this one. Well, mm, fit the crown to my head by Volnerasti on Archive of Our Own. Okay. 
Okay, okay and I'm really paranoid that people outside can hear because we can hear them talking and this is the one that I'm most worried about them hearing. Silence. You ready? Yes. Your Highness. Please be quiet. <laughs> Your Highness. I can turn it up in post. <laughs> Your Highness, Legolas mewled from where his face was pressed into the mattress. More, he whined. The brunette pulled back a bit, slapping his ass before moving a hand to Legolas's mouth. Suck, he said and shoved his fingers into the slightly open mouth. The elf did his best to suck on the calloused fingers, moaning around them. Aragorn pulled his fingers back after a few moments. Legolas had drool spilling from his mouth and rosy cheeks. Tell me to stop if it hurts, he said in a serious tone before pushing his index finger into the tight hole. His breathing came out harsher as he pushed his finger all the way in, staying still for a moment so Legolas could adjust. He added a second when he knew Legolas wasn't in pain, and the moans the blonde let out was also a good indicator. He pushed his fingers in and out, spreading them and twisting, hyper-aware of his straining erection as Legolas rocked back and bucked into the empty air. He pulled his fingers out, quickly standing from the bed as he grabbed a vial of oil and slicked his fingers again, pushing them without warning back into Legolas, grinning when he heard the loud cry the blonde let out. No, more, Legolas mumbled and looked back at Aragorn. Your cock, please. Aragorn almost felt bad by how desperate Legolas looked, but slowly shook his head, adding a third finger and spreading them. He fucked Legolas deeper on his fingers, pressing into that sweet spot. He teased the spot over and over until Legolas was moaning like the whores he's laid with. Satisfied, he pulled his fingers out and wrapped them around his leaking erection. He stroked himself a few times to feel some friction before lining himself up with Legolas's hole and slowly pushing the head in. Legolas's hands curled into the coverlet below them, and he let out a broken sob, trying desperately to get Aragorn all the way in. I should have known the Prince of Mirkwood would be as greedy as its king, Aragorn said. He gripped the prince's hips and slammed himself in. He whispered a curse and pulled back slowly, only to slam in again. He continued this pace, enjoying the show Legolas was putting on, twisting in his grip, trying to grind down into the mattress. The room filled with the sound of skin slapping skin and the sweet songs that were Legolas's moans and whines. Aragorn released the blonde of his bruising grip, only to grip his hair, using it as leverage to pull his body against his. He thrusted his hips up hard and fast, trying to find that perfect spot. Legolas let out a scream, and Aragorn could only guess he'd found it. He fucked Legolas hard on his cock, slamming up into the spot over and over. His free hand came around to wrap around the forgotten erection and Legolas gasped. Aragorn's hand copied the same pace as his thrusts. What a little whore this prince is, Aragorn mumbled into the crook of his neck. Such a good prince for his king. Legolas was so hot and tight, he felt perfect around Aragorn. He bit down on his neck, moaning into the skin. Thoughts? So that one perhaps reflected less of Tolkien's style. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say is this. Dialogue, though, I think is very... Yeah, I mean, you can find it. I mean, it's a reach, but you can find it. A reach around, you I could say. I knew you were going to yes. say that. I yes. would put fucking money on you saying um, that. I will say this. Whilst I feel that is more the wish fulfillment of wanting to watch two hot boys fuck <laughs> and writing about it in, you know, a very descriptive way, what that was, was consensual. Mm-hmm. And for those two, very enjoyable. Yes. And for the people who read it, very enjoyable. Yes. So what's the problem? Exactly. And I think do you, I think you'll agree on all three things we've read here. Very well written. Mm, the middle one especially. That was my favourite. It. Yeah, I liked that. That I, I love that one. I mm. love. I mean, I love them all. That's why I picked them because I picked ones that I knew were very good. 
at what they do and it were kind of good examples from fandoms and from you know things that I know that you would like and is, is Legolas and Aragorn a popular ship um yeah to be fair they're um there's a lot of a lot of people that can get behind that mm-hmm. that, that was a terrible choice of words <laughs> It's very popular, yes. It's yeah. very popular. So obviously I know that we looked at three examples of kind of romantic fan fiction there. But let's be honest, that was for the benefit of the listeners. Um, because mm. I feel like just a random adventure on something would not be necessarily as interesting. And and the thing is, that backs up my point. Like, The Lord of the Rings is an adventure. Yeah, like, you why, why, why would you yeah. want to write another one? What you want to write about in that universe is stuff you haven't seen and that you, that you, that you want to see in that mm-hmm. universe. So why not? You know, yeah, and I know that when we come on to AUs, because I'm so excited for that. Th- this episode and the AUs episode, mm-hmm. and maybe tropes are the ones that I'm so excited to talk about. But I think AUs will kind of explain that more to you in a way, because, like you say, Lord of the Rings. I mean, hello, I'm going on an adventure. That's mm-hmm. the whole point, right? Yeah. But AUs take that outside of that existing universe and put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I suppose, yeah, I suppose it's a bit of an in-universe versus out-of-universe comparison and, and i think that's why i was struggling to get my head around when i first thought of it because i was thinking that the desire to write fan fiction was about correction and it was a, and in, in a way it kind of is what i said but like it's about kind of oh i wanted to see legolas carry the ring to to the mount doom and i wanted to see this person do that i wanted my different version of the adventure yeah but what what it actually is is a space to explore other stories and other ideas in that universe and the people who are telling those stories are people who have been pretty much excluded from those the original texts, essentially. So, three episodes in, you've already got the point. Yeah, that's it. Let's okay, we're it done. Yeah, yeah. yeah, bye, everyone. But no, I think, as we say, that is very specific to kind of romantic, in inverted commas, fan fiction. And you do have a lot of stuff that can really play on just ex- other existing things that happen in those worlds. And that that is out there. I just really wanted to make you read all that out. Um, <laughs> And I'm going to make you answer this yep. on a recording. Do you think it's hot? Yes. Are you being for real right now? Objectively, yes. Yes. But like, is it what boils my onions? Excuse no. me? Why are you I- boiling onions? <laughs> Ew. The, the, the thing is that like, you you already know about me because we're friends, is that like, I'm I'm depressingly straight. <laughs> right? I, I and, think I have used that expression about And you. my, even my bi-curiosity extends pretty much to the first one. Like, I can see myself and Michael Sheen living in a cottage in rural Wales. We take long walks. We do crosswords. We spoon. We kiss. Are you a big spoon or a little spoon? Oh, with Michael, I'd be a little spoon. Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, that's fine. And, you know, that's where my bi-curiosity ends. Mm. like so that is so this is like yeah i can appreciate it but you know i'm not gonna be like yeah that's my cup of tea you're not gonna cancel our dinner plans tonight do you? <laughs> <laughs> i've got somewhere yeah. i need to be i'm sorry I'm- <laughs> can i take the print out with me <laughs> yeah. um no but like that's you know not to yuck anyone's yum as mm. it were but you know i can see why but you can understand yeah, yeah you can understand yeah. why absolutely yeah amazing so i'll finish as i tend to with a question Matt mm-hmm. smut versus fluff do you get it do you know what I actually do get it yeah I didn't think I would but I do I think that was a really fun discussion wasn't it just but until next time dear listeners leave us reviews shout us out on social media if you really 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 want to and just let us know you like the podcast follow like subscribe I don't know the words for these mm. platforms so I'm saying all we of haven't quite once. figured this outro out yet I, I mean, think like, it's we got, haven't I we haven't done it we haven't got it we? yeah I like the shambolic nature of it we're back next time doing what we are doing tropes oh. and I am uh, so excited yes me too see you then everyone bye bye